When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in to yet another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. My name is Matt Miguez and I am the Louisiana writer for Underdog Dynasty. And I am joined by my good friend, Brian Stone. He is our Georgia Southern writer. Brian, man... 16 days away from kickoff. Technically, actually 14. 14. I I do say this. I think the, the month of August, for me at least, has flown it by. It has flown by. And I, and I don't often say that about the month of August. Usually it feels like a real slog because it's the last truly hot, 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 hot month of the year. And usually I'm uh, we're sitting here in the dog days of summer just wishing... It's, it was over. It's so hot, dude. And, and I looked at my my calendar today and was like, "Oh, it's the nineteenth." The uh, uh, you know, like you said, sixteen days. I was like, um, "What?" It's it's so hot outside. But you know, dog days of summer is almost over, and that gives way to the greatest six months of the year, and that is, of course, football season. Today we are continuing Sunbelt football previews. Today we will cover the Tro- the Troy Trojans and the South Alabama Jaguars. So covering Alabama, the state of Alabama today for the Sunbelt, we'll begin in Mobile with South Alabama. Brian, last year 4-7 and seven for the Jags. They showed improvement from the year before, but still not a whole lot to write home about in Mobile last year. I mean, they showed improvement, and I I think even though the record probably wasn't what they wanted it to be, you know, by the end of the year, I mean, they clearly had taken steps in the right direction. I mean, they were competitive in a lot of games that in years past they wouldn't have been. And, you know, my memories, at least from when Georgia Southern entered the Sun Belt, was South Alabama was in that tier with, like, Texas State and, like, UL Monroe where they were like scrappy, but then you were just like, they're not really going to beat us. So we're not really that concerned about it. And then last year, you know, they showed a little bit of fight and I was honestly kind of surprised by, by how they looked. So, you know, we'll see if they can build off of some of that momentum and kind of take that next step, especially with a new head coach coming in. Yeah. You know, you talk about the new head coach, Kane Walmack. He was the defensive coordinator at Indiana uh, last season. You know, it's interesting. If you look at South Alabama, they return eight starters on offense, nine on defense. One of them being quarterback Desmond Trotter from last season. But you know, you but bring it in matter. You, you bring in a you bring in a transfer from Utah and Jake Bentley, who people most notably will know him from his time at South Carolina. And obviously a, a kid that played in the Sun Belt and then the Mountain West come into the Sun Belt, you would think that he's almost a shoe-in for the starting job, and, it, and all indications point that he is. But that 
Desmond Trotter was super impressive last year. I mean, if you look at his stat line from a year ago, he completed 65% of his passes, just under 2,000 yards, 11 touchdowns, four interceptions, had a QBR of 140.9. And Brian, that's in limited action. I I don't really understand it. Unless Trotter just shows up day one as the starter, I don't really understand just kind of anointing Bentley, you know, as soon as he gets to campus, because you even look at like the season he had last year. I mean, he threw six touchdowns and six picks for Utah, 882 yards. I mean, none of that is amazing. You know, they, they like, they were okay with him, but they, you know, it was really the defense and the running game, which was the reason the Utes won games last year. It wasn't because of him. And I think the thing that you have to hope is like, I'm pretty sure this is Bentley's last year of eligibility. It is. So he's a, he's a grad transfer. So let me ask you, what is the thought process then of sticking him ahead of Trotter on the depth chart? If Trotter's going to be back next year, doesn't that seem like you're kind of impeding his growth as a quarterback potentially? I mean, to, to an extent. Yeah. Um, but I also see it from the perspective of playing Bentley because maybe you saw something last season in Desmond Trotter where you're kind of hesitant that he's truly ready to lead this program. So maybe maybe you sit him behind a vet like Jake Bentley who's got experience at some big-time programs and let him learn and, and see if maybe that is is a positive direction for Desmond Trotter going into next year. But I, I I see it both ways because, again, you know, he was so impressive last year and comes in with all this confidence just to get put on the bench. I mean, that's a, that is a huge confidence killer. Um, so, man, like I said, I see it both ways. So that'll well, be, that'll be interesting really for quick, sure. Just really quick. The thing I don't understand, though, is he's, I mean, by all accounts, and I am, when I say beyond by all accounts, I mean I'm checking ESPN.com. Desmond Trotter is listed as a sophomore. Yeah. Okay. So it's not as if South Alabama was one quarterback away for competing for the West or even the Sun Belt as a whole. Like they are still a couple steps off from getting to that point. So it seems kind of backwards logic wise to me to take out a guy who's still pretty young, showed some flashes last year to put in a guy in Bentley. Who's been eh, at the last two schools he's been at. And I mean, I guess the hope is that he runs over G five competition, but like if we flash forward in your mind to like late October, if we said that, Bentley was not that great. Would you be surprised? Like if he turned in an eh season again for a third program, would you be shocked? Not at all. If this team was four and seven or whatever again, and he was just not, eh. not at all. And that's what I mean. But then again, make any sense. But then again, I also wouldn't be surprised if the kid threw for 3000 yards and South Alabama was a contender in the West. Well, he's he's got the weapons, and and we can talk about that. I mean, they've yeah, they've I mean, loaded the, the two Jalen's. Yeah, they loaded the the receiving core is loaded. It's just a can he keep from making boneheaded mistakes, and b can they protect them? Because 
because they gave up 40 sacks last year, which yeah, is that's a huge horrendous. number. That's horrendous. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, you, you brought it up. You brought up my next point, the offensive line. Uh, they do have 69 starts combined between the guys that returned. But like you said, they gave up 40 sacks last year. So that's... Well, I, the the plus side is when, when you look at the list of incoming transfers, I mean, they basically have a brand new offensive line transferring in, you know, they had five offensive line transfers. So I guess the hope is that the entire unit, you, you pick what players worked in your system last year, or you just replace them wholesale and it doesn't even end up mattering. So that's the, that's the hope, I guess. Yeah. I mean, obviously the the hope is that these guys that you're bringing in from bigger programs, end up working out for you and your offensive line doesn't give up 40 sacks again. 40 sacks is so much. That's true for college. That's college so football. many sacks. So you played 11 games. So that's you were three, almost on a pay- three and a half sacks a game. Yes. Yikes. That's brutal. For a team that, ha- for a team that has a very talented receiving core right. to just not be able to give your guy time to throw it to those receivers seems like a mismanagement, I guess would be right. the word. Right. <laughs> you, you know, talking about the receivers, you lose Quan Baker from last year who, you know, solid numbers was, what was it? 700 yards and eight touchdowns. Solid numbers. He ends up getting picked in the seventh round by my new Orleans saints. Um, which, by the way, might be starting for the loving, loving, loving having him in black and gold right now. Um, definitely, definitely going to need his help. But uh, you still you you bring back Jalen Tolbert and Jalen Wayne, who were your first and third leading receivers, respectively, last year. So you're like, you know, you brought it up. Jake Bentley's got plenty of weapons. Obviously, those two are one and two. But you talk about Lincoln. Sethic at the tight end position. Um, you know, at running back, you bring in Kareem Walker Jr., transfer from Mississippi State. This might be one of the better offenses that South Alabama's had the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll talk about it with the other team from Alabama that we preview this year, but I mean, the the key to a lot of these teams is they have the the pieces in place to score a ton of points. However, A, can you protect the quarterback to any extent? B, can you run the ball enough to keep defenses honest? And C, are you going to play any defense to stop like opposing offenses and give your team a chance to win. I mean, we talked about it with Arkansas state. We talk, we're going to talk about it with Troy because they were the exact same story as like Arkansas state, Georgia state, even South Alabama to an extent. So it's like, there's just, it's almost like arena football for these like middle of the Sunbelt teams where it's like, yeah, we'll just score 70 and that'll solve all of our problems. Right. And you know, transitioning now to the defense, you bring back a guy in Keith Gallman in the secondary who was your second leading tackler with 84. And then he also had five interceptions, which was, I don't, I don't know where at in the country, but that put him near the top mm-hmm. in, in the nation in interceptions. Uh, so obviously he's the, he's the bright point of, of this defense. Brian, who, who else impresses you on this defense for South Alabama? It's honestly hard to say like, 
this team struggled this team struggled in a lot of areas last year i mean they weren't the worst defense in the in the sunbelt easily i mean troy and arkansas state just they the position the side of the ball essentially never showed up so but but i mean they gave up 27 points per game 6.4 yards per play um I mean, they didn't really have a pass rush. They only had 13 sacks last year as a team. So I think you got to hope that Kane Womack, it just works his magic like he did with Indiana's defense and turns them into, you know, a top five unit in the Sun Belt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's, let's talk about Kane Womack for a bit. Having the experience that he has, he's been the DC at Indiana for the last two years. What do you what do you think he brings to to this program? Also bringing in former Houston head coach Major Applewhite as as your offensive coordinator. You know what what are your expectations for this coaching staff with the roster that they have? Well, I'm I'm fairly sure. So I'm looking at Womack's you know work history. He he actually was the defensive coordinator at South Alabama right um, back in 2016. Um, you know, so you got to hope that he's kind of got some continuity there. Uh, you know, I'm I'm going back and looking at some of the numbers they had. Um, you know, under him they. That that year he was there, uh, he finished. They finished top five in pass defense, pass efficiency defense, tackles for a loss, third down conversion percentage against. So, I, I think you just have to hope that he brings some of that back, uh, just some of that toughness because Indiana was such a tough unit the last couple of years. Like when he was there, I, I mean, they were in games they honestly had no business being in a lot of times. Like they were a, a real scrappy underdog team in the big 10. And so, you know, you talked about Applewhite, correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't have his like profile pulled up here. Was he not the offensive coordinator under Tom Herman at uh, Houston? I think he was. Yeah, he was. Okay. So they, I mean, they had, and then when Tom Herman left, when Tom Herman left, they promoted him to head coach. Oh, right. Okay. And then he, he spent the last two years as an offensive analyst at Alabama. Who wasn't? I think I think I went back and looked, and I think I was an offensive analyst at Alabama <laughs> the last couple of years. Um, yeah, show, show, off, show off that natty ring. Oh, I was just fetching Saban coffee, coffee right. uh, and, and oatmeal pies. Um, oatmeal pies? That's all he eats is oatmeal, oatmeal pies. Wait, seriously? Uh, dude, he eats them by the sleeve. Oh, that's disgusting. I mean, yeah. I love oatmeal pies, but by the sleeve. Every- I don't want to get too far off track. He has one at least every morning, if not multiple every morning. Um, Oatmeal cream pies. Um, So, you know, that offense, when when Herman was at the helm, I'm always skeptical when you have a guy who worked under a head coach who worked on that side of the ball. Because obviously, Houston was probably Tom Herman's offense, right? Yeah. And... Applewhite was essentially the guy that was just kind of learning from him, like while Herman kind of ran the show. So I'm always a little skeptical of guys like that at any level of football who worked under a head coach that was, you know, mindful of that side of the ball. So, I I mean, I guess you got to hope he brings Tom Herman's passing concepts over. Um, You know, Bentley is not a dual threat quarterback. He's very much stand in the pocket, be a statue a little bit. So that's where the offensive line is going to come into play. I, I 
think the key is if that offensive line doesn't gel, they're going to have to adjust quick and get the ball out of Bentley's hands fast. They might be running a lot of slants this year. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely some quick routes for sure. Um, you know, South Alabama is probably one of those teams in the Sun Belt that's going to impress me, or not. Not the, the word I want to use isn't impress. Um, be the most intriguing. I'm interested well, uh, to see what they're going to put together with this coaching staff and this roster. Well, the interesting thing is like, uh, there's a lot of unknowns, even, you know, quarterback position, offensive line, all the coordinators, new head coach. Like there's so many, I mean, you have some good pass catchers out there, but like, okay. So at, at underdogdynasty.com, we did a Sunbelt round table where they kind of threw questions at us. And one was like, who's your sleeper team? And I felt like the other writers kind of copped out a little and we're like, uh, my sleeper team is app state. Well, no, duh. They're like a top three team in the conference. Like, what are you talking about? I was like South Alabama because if they take even two steps forward, it's a huge win versus like, Versus, like, if App wins nine games again, is anybody going to blink an eye? Like, For no sure. one's going to be shocked. And, you know, there, there was one question, and it was, like, um, what team do you think will not or, or will be the least impressive or, you know, something along those lines. Right. And I said Coastal Carolina. Because <laughs> they have nowhere to go but down? Well, right, because, you know, think – Going to 11 and 0 last year before your bowl game, conference champs, top 15 in the country. Anything less is a disappointment, right? Absolutely. And I, and I, I don't think I, just didn't I don't say that because I think they are still a very talented team. Oh, now. no, no question. They're going to go nine and three, 10 and well, two, I, maybe even 11 and one. I, I, I do agree they're due for some regression. Like they, they're just not going to run the table. But after, after being, after being 11 and one with your one loss being to a ranked team in a bowl game. Yeah. yeah. I mean, anything's a disappointment. Well, that, that's kind of the, the, the context behind my sleepers pick of South Alabama. It's like if they, if they win six or seven games, right. They were a sleeper. Like they were a surprise. Nobody saw that coming. So it's like, that's, that's my mindset. And, and this was before I knew Jake Bentley was starting. I mean, I kind of wish Desmond Trotter was still starting. I, I, I feel better about yeah, don't his, we all. his, I mean, I feel a better about his prospects than, than ben, Bentley's never showed me anything. Sorry. Sorry. South Alabama. Fans. Bentley's never shown me anything at South Carolina, Utah. I, I, I mean, this is like a little bit of the, the chase Bryce thing of like, just hoping this guy has been in some bad situations and like figures it out. But yeah. that's kind of like casting wishes at that point. <laughs> you don't really have anything to hang your hat on. Right. Looking so, at, I mean, look, we'll see. Looking at South Alabama's schedule before we move on to Troy. One of the easiest schedules in college football. What game on their schedule impresses you? We know we'll, we'll walk through it. Southern Miss, Bowling Green, Alcorn State, Louisiana, Texas State, Georgia Southern, ULM, Arkansas State, Troy, App State, Tennessee, Coastal. Is it bad if I say Tennessee because they might beat Tennessee? Tennessee, yeah. I mean, <laughs> hey. <laughs> Tennessee's let teams do it to them before. They are, they are unbelievably horrible. Unbelievably horrible. Their head coaching hires have just been 
I mean, atrocious. You know, and and, and I'll, they really I'll make didn't this, want, and they really didn't want Shiano. I'll make like, this comment. Look at what Shiano just done with Rutgers. Since I'll this. make this comment very so quickly before we move on to Troy. I am scared to death that Tennessee hires Billy Napier. And Billy Napier takes it because let me tell you why. If Billy Napier can go to Tennessee and even halfway turn them around, he's even more of a god than he already is. Well, they just, I, I don't think he's going to, I don't think Tennessee's firing Hypel because he just moved over from Central Florida. Well, he better hope. Apparently, they have short leashes with their head coaches. Well, they just hired a new AD from Central Florida, right. it's, and then he brought yeah. over Heupel. It, so it's, it's now like, it's now the UCF of the SEC. But I, I mean, realistically, though, like in the Sun Belt, I, I mean, I was kind of joking before with, about the Tennessee thing, but I kind of wasn't. Um, <laughs> but uh, honestly, the thing that intrigues me is like those if they can edge out that middle tier of the Sun Belt. And it's like, when I say middle tier, I'm talking, I'm looking, going through their schedule. I mean, I think Georgia Southern's in that middle tier. I think Arkansas State's in that middle tier. I think Troy's in that middle tier. Listen, if they can edge out some wins over these teams, I mean, that's pretty much going to make their season. I mean, they split with Arkansas State and Troy last year. Troy, that was an ugly loss for them. I mean, it was like 29 to nothing. So... I mean, if they can get revenge and win against Arkansas State again and then beat Troy and then maybe beat Georgia Southern in, like, what's it supposed to be a down year for us is, like, that's, yeah. a, that's a strong start to Kane Womack's tenure. No, absolutely. So, you know, that that's going to wrap up the preview on South Alabama. We'll move on to Troy now. Um, Brian, five and six last year for the Trojans. It's going to be Chip Lindsey's third year with the program. They returned eight starters on offense, ten on defense. But here's something that I, I want to open with that's going to be quite interesting, and it is the quarterback position. Gunnar Watson was Troy's quarterback last year. He had he completed 70% of his passes, 2,100 yards, 16 touchdowns, seven interceptions. However... Troy added a young man this past offseason by the name of Taylor Powell. He is a redshirt sophomore transfer from the University of Missouri. He's a redshirt junior, excuse me, uh, from the University of Missouri. And he sat out last season due to COVID. But according to Phil Steele, they project Taylor Powell to win the job at Troy. Okay. So obviously since he since he sat out there's not a whole you know a whole lot of stats on the young man because when he was at Missouri he was the backup to Drew Locke. In his in his career at Mizzou he appeared in 6 games, went 29 of 62, 297 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions in 6 games. Okay. So obviously very limited numbers so we can't really dive too deep in into the young man. But the guy that I really want to focus on on this offense is their running back, B.J. Smith and Kamani Vidal, who I feel like they have, and D.K. Billingsley. I feel like they all have been there forever. <laughs> a long time. Forever. <laughs> For a long time. I mean, um, I mean, do, do, they, do they just retake classes so that they can just stay eligible? Like, how is this working? 
they do the the old Matt Liner at Southern Cal thing where they just take ballroom dancing like every semester. Oh my god! And that, that's like their one credit for each semester. But yeah, no, they they definitely feel like they've been there a long time. Uh, before we get any deeper into this offense, I want to ask you a question. When you factor in things like expectations, do you think Chip Lindsey has the hottest seat in the Sun Belt as a coach? Because yes. you can say what you want about uh, is it Spavital yeah. still there? Yeah. Okay, but Texas yeah, State no. realistically is not expecting like to be anywhere near what Troy is expecting to be. Do I would you, I would say I would say Chip Lindsey and Chad Lunsford are probably the two hottest seats in the Sun Belt right now. I don't think, see, I don't think, unless they're, unless Georgia Southern is just a tragedy this year, I don't think Lunsford's seat's that hot. But I, I'll, I'll agree with you. Lindsay's fine. Lindsay's, like, Lindsay's definitely the hottest seat. Um, because and, they haven't really done anything since Neil Brown left. So no. And, and the expectations are just sky high with with this group because when Neil Brown was there, I mean, dude, they were contending for conference championships every year. Um and, yeah, and now I mean, they were they were a they were where um like you guys are at bar yeah. like every year. Like they were in the hunt like every season. Yep. And then as soon and as now they switch him out for so Lindsay, not. it's like yeah, they're yeah. they're like the other Arkansas they're the Arkansas State of the East. Yeah, they scored a ton of points. Play no defense, no defense and, at all. Although they have they the best throw for five hundred yards. Although they have the best defensive player in the conference, right? But as a unit, they really right. struggle for on. Sure. De- I mean, they they allowed almost thirty five points a game last year. So that's that's awful. But but they 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 try to throw for six hundred yards a game, and when it doesn't work, it really doesn't work. And they haven't really shown a lot of ability to turn it around from what Neil Brown left Chip Lindsay. So right. I'm like, it's got to be the hottest seat because they actually have, they have like expectations of what they're supposed to be and they have not been that. So that's, that's kind of my argument for it being the hottest seat. Yeah. And, and I, I totally agree with you just based off of expectations alone. I, I think that the Troy, the Chip Lindsay definitely needs to make something happen this season or he's going to be finding a new job. But, you know, we talked about the quarterback position. We talked about the running back position. They lose Kalen Geiger from last year, who's just going to be nearly impossible to replace. But they're going to try to do it with Jabari, Jabray Barber, Reggie Todd, Marcus Rogers uh, as their as their one, two, and three. But one group that I kind of want to talk about is the offensive line. You know, they return 94 career starts, and they bring back every player that started a game last year. Yeah. I, their left tackle, Austin Stidham is probably one, one of, if not the best lineman in the, uh, in the Sunbelt, I think yeah. offensively, um, you know, the offensive line should be the strength of their team. Uh, it, this is kind of the same deal as Arkansas state where if they can run the ball effectively and pair it with whoever they decide their quarterback's going to be, I mean, they can do it, but they just have to have that mentality, and they really haven't had that. I mean, they really spread out their rushes last year. Um, 
you know, I'm looking at it now. Kamani Vidal was the leading rusher with 516 yards. Yeah. Their second leading rusher didn't even cover 300 yards as a, as a runner. Um, you know, it, it's, it's going to be tough. Like Geiger is not like an easy guy to replace. I mean, I know that they've just kind of, you know, substituted pieces at the receiver position and made it work, but like, it's not going to be just, replace one part and go back to how it was before. So, I mean, it's going to be a tough, tough year. And, and it's also going to be a tough, like make or break year for Chip Lindsay's tenure yeah. at Troy. Yeah. And, you know, we, we talked about Reggie Todd. He was their second leading receiver last year, 530 yards, six touchdowns on the year for, for the senior, you know, this offense is going to be interesting, you know, just from what they can piece together because they're usually just such a high-powered attack like we were talking about. But, man, this defense, I want to spend a little bit of time on them because it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. You have major talent in every group, but yet you're just, for lack of better words, you're so bad. Well, okay, so I, I want to acknowledge something that I got wrong a little earlier. Uh, I was looking at their 2019 defensive statistics, not 2020. They actually got a fair bit better last season on defense. They actually only allowed 25.7 points per game last year. So it wasn't as bad as it was in 2019. I mean, they, they, they definitely made some strides. Um, you know, I think Carlton Marshall uh, is going to be kind of the leader for that defense at linebacker. Um, you know, they, they have eight starters back. Um, you know, they gave up 167 yards, you know, a game, uh, and they were sixth in the Sunbelt and pass efficiency defense. So, uh, you know, they've got a little bit of room to improve, but I, they just have to put it all together, man. They, they have to have a season where the defense takes a little bit of a step forward, but the offense isn't so, one dimensional. I mean, like, God, you you return your top eleven tacklers, right? From last year, yeah, including Carl to Marshall, Carl to Marshall, who was the nation's leader in tackles last year with a hundred and thirteen. Just really quick, I want to throw this out there. I don't know what happened in their spring game, but whatever it was, it caused Kalen Geiger and cornerback uh, Terrence Dunlap to both transfer after the spring game. So. I don't know if like <laughs> someone said something or yeah, what. Yeah, they, like, they must have got a. Uh, they must have got real angry. Wow, it's strange. I thought Geiger graduated. No, he transferred to Texas Tech. Interesting. But but you know like I I'm starting to wonder if something happened in that spring game. Like maybe they just or, they weren't starters or, 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 or something, something or something didn't happen. Right. Uh, man. I mean, I, I don't know, but you know, they, if they take a little bit of a step forward, I mean, they, they showed it last year. They took a step forward, but if they take another step and, and right. become like a top five unit in the Sunbelt and then they figure out who's going to play quarterback for them and they can, they can at least run the ball enough to, to keep defense or yeah, defenses off balance. I mean, you could be looking at a, a breakthrough season for Chip Lindsay, but like, let me ask you like realistically expectations wise, like what are you, what is a really good season that would keep him in a job? Like eight wins. I think seven or above. 
Okay. I'd, I'd give him seven. Um, if you, if you can if you can produce a seven and five year, I think I think that's enough to keep him around for one more year. But I mean, there, there would have to be pretty, there would have to be improvement next tough. year too as well. Yeah. And that's that's the other thing that I wanted to bring up is like I, there are a couple teams I don't see them beating on their schedule and it's like number one Liberty probably not going to beat Liberty I mean to be totally Liberty was yeah. giving Coastal everything they could handle in the bowl game but then they also play you know at South Carolina that's probably a loss you know they could always upset them but realistically that's probably a loss then they have to play Coastal Louisiana and App this yeah. season in the conference. So you kind of have to throw those, what? That's five. Five games out and hope that you win out the rest you of the You win the way. rest of them, right? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, do you think a seven and five season is enough to keep him? Yes. It, it, it's enough to keep him. However, I don't see it happening. You think they're going to trip up on like a couple of those? I mean, other dude, games? You, you, you've, you've got solid opponents in those other seven games. I mean, Southern. Southern Miss, Georgia Southern, Texas State South, Georgia State. I mean, you've got you've got teams that can show up and yeah, I, I see Troy easily slipping to one of those seven. I mean, uh, this is anecdotal because it was like one game, but when I watched Georgia Southern play Troy last year it basically showed what happens when that passing game doesn't click and you run like nothing but pass plays every single snap because I know Gunnar Watson didn't play, but that Jacob free guy who, who did play in his place, I mean, he couldn't get anything going. So it, it shows what happens when you only have to put five guys in the box and say, all right, do it. Yeah, I mean, we've got six guys here waiting on it, but yeah, just go ahead and throw the ball. And it's like, well, if the other team's got any semblance of a pass defense or any good corners, you're pretty much done. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. There, there's just there's so many question marks with with this. Not not just the offense, not just the defense, just the program as a whole. Um, e- even the coaching staff, man. The coaching staff doesn't even impress me. I mean, they have well, they have a new offensive coordinator in Luke Meadows, and then you have a third year DB DC returning in Brandon Hall. But I mean, outside of those two guys, I, I just don't see anything, you know, impressive in in, in their coaching staff. Well, okay, correct. Lindsey was the offensive coordinator at Auburn under Malzahn, right? Correct. Okay, that goes back to the point that I was making about Applewhite is how much did he do because it was Gus Malzahn's team right. in offense. That was Gus Malzahn's so, mind. and Right, and right. how much was he actually asked to do on a day-to-day basis or did you just hire him because he was the offensive coordinator at Auburn? Right, That I think that's more of what it was. He was an yeah. SEC offensive coordinator, and oh my God, he's going to revitalize our program. and <laughs> Right, and, and what it turned out to be was like, He's probably not head coach material. Right. I mean, realistically, like unless he unless he completely shows out this year and just becomes a completely different type of coach and figures it all out. Yeah. Like he's just a long line of guys who were offensive coordinator or coordinators under power five head coaches that a smaller team gave a shot to. And he just didn't. He wasn't it. Yeah. I mean, it happens. 
Yeah, you know, it, it, this is going to be a make or break year for Troy, especially for Chip Lindsey. Um, you know, can can they get over this this rut that they've been in ever since Neil Brown left? They have, I don't want to say a favorable schedule because it's a difficult one. However, there are even even their big name games. I mean, Liberty. I don't see Troy beating Liberty. However, that is a game that if they show up and play well and they catch Liberty napping, you know, you could walk out and win with that game. Southern Miss is a team that Troy Troy can beat. Hell, South Carolina is a game that that Troy could show up and win. Yeah, I mean, App did it. Yeah, you it, know, it's it's not out of the out of the realm. You know, Troy right. did it a couple years ago in Death Valley at LSU. So I mean, it's on, not on homecoming. Yeah, I mean, it's not yeah. out of the, the realm of possibility. I just want to say though, just really quick about the Liberty game. It, it almost feels unfair that they have Hugh Freeze as their coach because he's so overqualified for that job and so like, overqualified. He only lost the Ole Miss gig for extenuating circumstances, and it's not that he didn't cut cut it at oh all god this. no was, they were other stuff they were winning like there was no tomorrow <laughs> and and i mean i get all that but it just feels so unfair for like the g5 teams that have to for play sure. liberty to to be like Us? well here's a guy who would be coaching an sec team to competing in the conference us see i can remember his first year at liberty that was the year where he rolled around in his in his hospital bed yeah, that was hilarious. And we had we the had Syracuse to games. we had we had to rig up a, a press box suite that his his little bed would fit in. Yeah. Um, and you know we went on to beat him thirty five fourteen. But yeah, um, yeah, man, Liberty's they are with Malik just Wilson. Feel, it, it it just doesn't feel fair. No, God, like no, it it's feel, not. Like it, it's like not. it feels like it feels like um. You know, like if Georgia Southern or someone, some team that was like in the in our conference got Malzahn, right? You knew it wasn't that Malzahn couldn't do it as a head coach. It was that the the boosters and everything, yeah, the like, boosters were like, just wanted him out. We're not beating Alabama every year. Get him out of here. He only wins not eight or nine games every season. But then it's like, but he is an SEC coach, or he's like an SEC level coach for sure so it feels so unfair that you freeze just just gets to pound on the, for, the g5 <laughs> for sure no no question about it um but you know again troy's going to be one of those teams that I'm, I'm interested to see the way they do things you know like i said earlier can they get out of that rut that, that they've been in over the last couple of years and will it be taylor powell or will it be gunner watson again you know does carlton marshall put up another fantastic year from that linebacker position. You know, just just plenty of, of unknowns that I'm excited to see get answered. You know, Brian... Does someone, take, does someone take that wide receiver one spotlight from Kaylin Geiger? Yeah, Kaylin Geiger, absolutely. Um, you know, we're, we're wrapping up team previews. What do we, I think we only have, what, three left, four left? Let's see, Texas I think we State. Have, I think we only have two. Texas State, ULM. Is that it? That's it. That's We've it. done everybody else? Mm-hmm. Oh, look at that. Only one more episode before we can talk about, like, games. Actual stuff happening and right. not just oh, speculating. Man. Isn't it awesome? <laughs> oh, God. It's so hard to speculate because... It's so I've hard. Said, I've said this before, but, like, 
getting information out of these coaches at this stage in the season when like there's a quarterback battle is like right. it's not gonna happen inv- is like trying to extract information from the FBI. Like, yeah, it, yeah, basically, <laughs> who's gonna good, start good at Troy? Who's gonna start at Troy? Well, first you have to put this poison pill in your mouth before I'll tell you. <laughs> I'll tell you, and then you can never repeat it. Yeah, right. then you have to bite down on this cyanide capsule. <laughs> Brian, before we go, man, tell everybody where they can find you on social media. You can find me on Twitter at Watch the Stone. You can find me on Twitter as well at Miguez Matt. M's capitalized next week. We'll do Texas state and ULM before we dive into week zero and week one for the Sunbelt season. Brian, this was fun as always, my man and fans. You've been listening to yet another edition of the underdog dynasty Sunbelt podcast. Podcast.